Good morning. It's good to see you. Uh, I'm a lot better with my knee, but it's still there. So I'm still trying to see a specialist to next Tuesday. No, this Tuesday. This coming Tuesday, I see him. So continue to pray that uh, everything will work well. Um, Bring you back a knee. You're kind of needy. <laughs> anyway, continue to pray for uh, Brother Terry and Miss uh, Pat. Uh, pray that they'll be safe and they'll be back with you soon. Again, it's good to be with you, and and again, I. Uh, encourage you, to, if you can, to come to any part of the annual meeting tomorrow. Uh, being in the loop and knowing what's going on uh, as Southern Baptists is critically important, especially on a local level. And uh, a lot of times we don't, uh, if we're not part of the the problem, uh, I mean, if we're not a part of the solution, then, then we continue to allow things to happen that shouldn't. And again, uh, your participation is important because uh, this is why we exist, not just as a local church, but as a cooperating association of churches. So if you can't come, I understand, uh, be in prayer, uh, but uh, we always have a great time, don't we, Herschel? And uh, we're, we're uh, going to have a great meeting tomorrow. And uh, Anyway, open your Bibles to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 8, looking at uh, verses 26 through 39. The message this morning is entitled, The Difference Jesus Makes. The Difference Jesus Makes. Here we have the account of Jesus casting out demons at Gadara. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time. And where no which had devils long time, and, and, where, and, and he wore no clothes, neither uh, abided in any house but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him with a loud voice, saying, what have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of God, the Most High? I beseech thee, torment me not, for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven, from the, uh, driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion. Because many devils were entered into him, and they sought him, and he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them, and he suffered them. And when the devils came out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked, and when they... And when they that fed them saw what was done, they fled 
and went and told it in the city and in the country. And then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They also which saw it told them by what means he was possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the gatherings round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear, and he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with them. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And God will bless the reading of his precious word. <clears throat> From the study of scriptures, we, it seems very accurate to say that Jesus Christ saw worth in individuals that he met. He, he never met a person that he felt was beyond hope. And outwardly, uh, we see the de demonic of Gadara may have uh, been the most impossible case that he had ever met. Uh, he did not uh, have worth, not only uh, from his own estimation, but the estimation of his, of his family and the city and all the people in the region. They saw nothing worthwhile about this man. He surely did... Uh, uh, seemed to be bent on self-destruction. Yet Jesus saw him as someone important in the economy of God. Do you know someone this morning that you feel may be absolutely worthless? Well, then you need to stop feeling that way. You know, it, it may be like you feel that... Uh, about yourself, or maybe you know, maybe it's not you, maybe it's someone else, maybe, maybe you know someone intimately and personally who, who doesn't feel like they're important, doesn't feel like life is worth living, and, you, and a lot of people who are contemplating ending their own lives, and you, and you shake your head, you scratch your head, and you, and you try to reason with them, why do you feel this way? Well, beloved, that's a sad and tragic feeling, isn't it? To feel like you're totally worthless. Listen, this brings me to the question. Would you consider the difference that Jesus Christ can make in your life, in the life of someone you know, even in the life, uh, lives of other people that you don't know? Do you care one way or the other? I think we ought to care if we look through the lens of Jesus, the eyes of Jesus, if we have the same heartbeat, the same compassion that Jesus had when he beheld the multitudes. But in this case, it's not the multitudes that he's beholding. He's beholding one seemingly insignificant, worthless soul. And God and Jesus see something in this man, it wasn't because there was anything good or anything this man could contribute. 
It was simply that God so loved this man and cared about him. So I'm here to tell you this, this message is not just about the, the man from Gadara, this demoniac, this man filled with demons, demon-possessed and lost to the, to the nth degree. But, but this message is for all of us, even those who think that they've got everything under control. First of all, Jesus, we see here, releases from the destructive powers of evil. You know, it'd be interesting to know more about this man. Where did this downward slide take place? What brought him to this point in his life? Uh, why did he come to be possessed by these evil spirits, these demons, to the point that it threatened his very welfare and being. It threatened to destroy him. At this point, we learn a valuable lesson from Jesus. You see, Jesus, and I think this is important when we look at every aspect of living, every subject available to us. I think at this point, we learn a valuable lesson that Jesus did not concern himself with how the man got into this trouble, but rather uh, he was concerned with uh, the present con condition of the man and what could be done to bring this man to a wholeness of life again. Is that not a lesson for us instead of looking at someone and saying, you know, that drunk, the town drunk, he is so worthless, you know, he's not even worth the bullet to, to put him out of his misery. And yet I hear people say that. I, I've heard people say that. Listen, who are we to look at anyone? Anyone even people that we are diametrically opposed to, even people in politics, even people uh, who are not Baptists, even people who, who, who are bad to the bone, even the worst criminal who is serving time, the person even on death row. Listen, who are we to judge them? Listen, if they don't know Jesus, our, our heart's desire should be that they come to a saving knowledge and know Jesus. Because that's the situation that we find this man in. Nobody cared for him. Not the city, not the government, not, the, not his family. No one. The religious people in the area, they certainly didn't care about him. Or they would have been trying to help him. Instead, he's bound in chains. Not just physical chains, but he's bound spiritually. He's dead in trespasses and sins. He's blind and can't see. He's ignorant and cannot know. Uh, he's, he's, he's dead and cannot live. Note verse 28. The evil spirits in the man resisted the approach of Jesus with a very loud voice and and they outcried, What have we to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. These hostile spirits, these demons, 
had almost destroyed the man physically, mentally, uh, psychologically, emotionally, and, and more importantly, spiritually. The method of Jesus was to demand that they would come out of the man at once. However, in the process, Jesus demanded of them an acknowledgement of their identity. Notice that? Look at again at the text in verse 30. He demanded, what is your name? And they replied, Legion. Because many demons had entered into him. You see, the demonstrative way in which the demons finally leave the man has bothered some to the point uh, uh, th that they questioned why Jesus was involved in this destruction of the herd of pigs. However, this may simply be an indication that Jesus places much more worth on a human soul than he does swine. Now, we ought not mistreat animals. But I think we have a warped sense of what is valuable in this world. I eat all the pork I can, and I don't, and I don't, and I don't apologize for it. But I don't think you ought to go out here and beat your pig. Your pig is for eating purposes, or bringing more pigs into the world. But in this case, the point is, Jesus, God, and Jesus are trying to show humanity that people the crowning jewel of creation even in their fallen estate even in their degradation and their sin even in their absolute worst situation and even at the point of, of no return they're still important to God and Jesus Human personality is the supreme valuable thing to Jesus. And it may also have been a visible thing designed to help the poor victim. But you can imagine the feeling that he uh, must have gone over uh, in, 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 the, in, this, in this situation. Here we, he sees the power transferred to a herd of pigs and drowned in the sea. It must have impressed upon him the reality of true deliverance. Listen, beloved, this is the first thing that Jesus does in the life of sinners. When the Spirit of God moves upon every one of us who were dead in trespasses and sins... Not, not, un, not much unlike this man, this man filled with demons. Listen, we were no better than him when our lost, in our lost condition before we came to Christ. But God's Spirit moved upon us and, and He spoke to our hearts and he, and he asked us, would we live? And we said, yes. And He breathed into us the breath of life and we stood up like a brand new person, delivered, clean, holy, 
because of the blood of Jesus applied to us. Now, you may not actually be bound by a literal demon living in you, but you may be bound by other things. And again, we hear it all the time preach. You know, it may be some uh, substance abuse. It may be alcohol or drugs or, or even lust. Or, or it may be, you know, pride and hate and hostility. It may be, you know, uh, pornography. It may be lying and cheating. And it may be uh, greed, the, the, the love of, 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 of money rather than the love of God. Sometimes I think, you know, we look, we have a tendency to be like the Pharisees and point out everybody's sin, and we try to pick the splinter out of someone else's eye when we got that cross beam, we got that cross tie in our eyes, and we, and we seldom want to remove it, and we know it hurts. And we know it's keeping us weighed down. Folks, we need to get real and say sin is sin. No matter how you categorize it, from the smallest, itsy-bitsy, tiny, white lie, it's still sin to the greatest sin that man can contrive. Sin is sin in the sight of God. See, that's why all of us would perish but for the grace and blood of Jesus. Because none of us are good enough to save ourselves. be the good old boy that never seemingly uh, seemingly does nothing, nothing wrong, loves his mama, patriotic, eats apple pie and votes and, and comes to church every time the doors open, but he'll split hell wide open just as quickly uh, as someone like this demoniac uh, mentioned in our text if he doesn't know the power of deliverance through Jesus. We don't like that, do we? We say, that's just not fair. Well, God doesn't owe any of us anything, does he? The simple fact that he would manifest himself and show grace to anyone is amazing. Is it not? And in this situation, even though everybody else, were probably, they were probably thinking, why would Jesus go to this man in the first place? What is he going to... He hasn't contributed anything to the coffers of, 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 of the temple. He hasn't done anything to benefit humanity. He, does, he hasn't done anything but hurt others and himself. And yet Jesus cared about him. Listen, Jesus is able to set him free, and Jesus can set us free. He is stronger than anything and anyone and any force that may be in control of life of different individual and collective lives today. Nothing is impossible with God. Listen, there is not a single person on planet Earth out of almost 7 billion people. Listen, and it's almost that now. Think about it. 7 billion people living on planet Earth as I speak this morning in the sight of God. They're important. I'm not saying all of them will be saved, but they're still important. They're still important and they ought to be important to us. 
And then not only does he release from the destructive powers of evil, but secondly, we notice in our text that Jesus enables self-control. When Jesus met the man, he was not in, in, in control of any part of his life. Not only physically and mentally and emotionally and certainly spiritually, he was defunct. He was totally bankrupt. He couldn't help anyone, much less himself. So how does Jesus make the difference? He enables self-control. Everything he did was dictated by the evil power that was in his life. He must have been filled with self-hatred. But in the end, the man we find is sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind, the Bible tells us. Notice verse 35. It's, it's worth consideration in his right mind. These words have two basic ideals. One, that there had been an element of insanity involved in the life of this demoniac. And that Jesus came purposely, on purpose, to save him, to deliver him, to set the captive free, to loose the bond. To give him life. Not only physical life again, but spiritual life abundantly. Isn't that why? Isn't that the way our Jesus works? However, however, we must remember there's also that element of insanity in all sin. From the little white lie to the mass murder committed by some crazy thug. In the sight of God, there's no difference. Are you listening? Who are we to question God? In the sight of God, sin is sin. Little sins, big sins, all sin is sin. That's why we must be placed under the blood of Jesus. That's why the Jesus dying on the cross in a propitiatory sacrificial death for the sins of me and you and the whole world is so important. Listen, Jesus took every sin, little and big. He took all of it throughout the experience of humanity and he bore it in himself and on himself. He became sin for us, not a sinner, but the sin bearer. And the wrath of God was poured out upon the Son of God. Son of God, Son of Man, perfect God, deity, perfect man, humanity, took our place, bore our sins, little and great. Folks, we're not born, we don't become sinners because we sin as much as we were born in sin. And all sin is a manifestation of the fact that we do not have Jesus. 
this man, it was evident he did not have Jesus until Jesus sought him. Are you listening? And found him. You don't ever take the credit. I hear people say all the time, well, I searched and searched the world over and I found Jesus. In reality, it was God, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, who before the foundation of the world purposed to find you out and to save you. And all the glory and all the credit and all the praise and all the adoration belongs to him. This is what this man is doing. Notice, he's in his right mind and he's worshiping at the feet of Jesus. But notice the other ideal. Secondly, is that in the words right mind, it means to think soberly, to exercise self-control. Listen, we are reminded of what the Apostle Paul said as recorded in 1 Timothy 1.7, inspired by the Holy Spirit of old, for God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and what? Of sound mind. Whereas before, in our lost estate, this applies to all of us, when we were dead in our sins, Jesus came and made us alive. And also when we were insane because of sin. Listen, all sin is a form of insanity. And Jesus has given us a clear, sober thinking mind. Whereas before Jesus, we... We stumbled through this world. We walk, The Bible says we walked according to the course of this world. And guess who our father was? It wasn't God. It was the evil. The evil one. It was the devil. And we walked according to his desires and dictates. But now, just like this man, this demoniac here, we're walking and now we're sitting and worshiping at the feet of Jesus. It doesn't get any better than that. Hallelujah. It doesn't get any better than that. It simply means here that the Lord gives to us self-control, a sober mind, an ability to see things now in a proper perspective and to conduct ourselves and our affairs accordingly before we claim to, uh, to have a semblance of, of, uh, of religion and, and a form of religion. And, and we thought, oh, I'm holy. Or it was more like I'm holier than thou. 
and we judged and, and everything uh, was about us, even when we tried to make it about other people and we did do things maybe that were worthwhile and good, but in the end we took credit for it. But now in our right mind, it's not, not about us anymore. It's not about anything uh, good of us. It's all about Jesus. And now we care about other people. We not only don't want to hurt ourselves, but we don't want to hurt our friends, our family. We don't want to hurt our enemies. You ever notice that about a Christian? When you see a real, genuine Christian who's filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm, I'm not saying there aren't Christians who, who uh, aren't backslidden because there's a lot. I think there's a lot of Christians walking around backslidden and you can't tell any difference in them and a lot of the lost people because they're out of the will of God and there's nothing worse than being out of the will of God even though you're on your way to heaven. But when someone's saved in their right mind and they're not only indwelt by the Holy Spirit, which is a permanent experience, but they're filled with the Spirit of God because they've heard the words of Jesus. They've listened to the Word of God and they're obedient to thus saith the Lord. And all things make sense now with a clear mind and they know how to treat others. What difference does Jesus make? Well, we've seen he releases from the evil forces that destroy us. He enables self-control, but he also makes healthy relationships possible. Notice how Jesus changed his life. You see, there was not one meaningful relationship in his life, and you can imagine this. He certainly epitomized what the prophet of old said according to Isaiah chapter 48, 22. There is no peace unto the wicked, saith the Lord. This man was separated, like I said before. He was separated from his family and his friends and, and, and more critically important and sadly was God. His lonely life in this cemetery, in these tombs, was symbolic of his whole life. That is, when evil possesses a man, he will suffer in all of his relationships in life. He makes himself miserable and he makes everybody else around him miserable. You ever known someone like that? sad, isn't it? They're not happy and they're going to make sure no one else is happy. But notice how Jesus changed this. This man's initial reaction to Jesus was that of fear and rejection but in the end, verse 35 tells us that the crowd finds him at the feet of Jesus clothed. He's no longer naked. Well, you've got to be out of your mind spiritually to sit around naked trying to hurt yourself and others. It's a sign of a crazy man, isn't it? Well, 
But now he's clothed in his right mind, sitting at Jesus, which indicates a willingness to listen to the Lord Jesus. Are we clothed in our right mind, willing to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him speak to us? Then, you see, beloved, we have mistakenly understood that all Jesus does is save us from hell and give us a passport to heaven when we die folks if you've truly been born again nothing is going to keep you from going to heaven are you listening but see I don't like the once saved always mantra because I think the Bible teaches perseverance and preservation God is the one who preserves us and allows us to persevere. And really, in reality, it's God, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and God the Son, all working as the eternal, perfect Godhead to ensure that we endure to the very, very end. So when we mess up, beloved, we don't get away with it. You say, oh, you know, it's all those murderers and, and rapists and, and, and our anarchists and, 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 all, and racists and, and all these people and politicians and lawyers. No, I, forgive me, they're great lawyers. I shouldn't have said that. They're great lawyers, but just like anybody else, you've got duds in every category, amen? You've got preachers who would die and split hell wide open because they're not real. Because they don't know Jesus. Amen? They don't know Jesus. But see, beloved, there's more to it than just trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because if you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when you called upon Him, He didn't just give you a pass. He didn't just give you a ticket. He didn't just give you a get-out-of-jail card to keep you out of hell. He took absolute control of your individual life. That's what he did with the demoniac. Here's a man who was out of control. Here's a man who was walking according to the course of this world. Here's a man who was dead in trespasses and sins. Here's a man who was insane with his, with his sinful state. And Jesus changed him. Jesus took control of him. Jesus became Lord of him. You see, when Jesus becomes real in your life, at the moment of your salvation, He is Lord of all your life. Not just your Savior to get you out of hell. 
and because he's Lord every day of your life it's yes Lord yes where do you want me to go Lord yes tell me what do you want me to do Lord Jesus I'm willing to do it Lord I need to apologize for the way I talk to so and so yes Lord your humble obedient servant will abide by your words he became Lord of his life he's not Lord as well as Savior he's not anything at all you can't say well I'll trust you Jesus save me to get me out of hell but you can't boss me around and tell me how to live my life. And yet there are thousands upon thousands who, they may not say that, but they act that way. When you get saved, beloved, the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, it all belongs to Jesus. Guess what? It all belonged to Jesus before that. It's just you were going to hell, and God was still going to get the glory you see God's going to get glory whether you go to heaven or hell either one but you want to be the beneficiary of his grace amen and you want to bring him glory amen see it all boils down to obedience trusting Jesus and then finally he makes our lives useful Notice in verse 39 how Jesus instructs him. Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. You, you see, beloved, Jesus makes him a missionary to his own house at once. Is that not what he does in our lives when we got saved did you not have an overwhelming desire to let someone know what you had tasted and seen in Jesus, how you had been purchased out of the sin market, the slave market of sin, and now your, your master was Jesus, not yourself, not the world, and not the devil? Didn't you want people to have what you had? That's the natural inclination of every born-again child of God. We're different. And we want the world to know we're different. In closing, do you feel a need for what Jesus did for this man? Do you, do you feel a need from, for freedom from anything that is keeping you in bondage? Do you need a right mind for self-control? Do you need a, a healthy relationship with someone? This applies to all of us, including this preacher. Do you feel... A need for your life to be made more useful. Then there is hope 
for you. There's hope for me. And there's hope for the world. Jesus can truly make the difference. Trust Him. Turn it all over to Him. Turn from your wicked ways. Repent. And by faith, trust Him. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Let Him make the difference. Let's pray. Would you stand? We're not going to have a formal invitation. If someone needs to come and talk to me, I'll be here for a couple of minutes, okay? But we're not going to do a formal invitation. But we are going to pray. And if you need to call me this afternoon or whenever, feel free to do so. Or, or I know your pastor's away, but I'm, I'm not here to take his place. I'm here to compliment your pastor. And his lovely wife, I'm here to help. And uh, But more importantly, what I can't do to help, we know Jesus can. Amen. Father God, have your way as we dismiss. If there's someone here who needs to come and talk to me, Lord, I pray that you give them courage the boldness to come forth and settle whatever questions they have. Lord, we, we're so grateful that you make the difference. We're so grateful that you loved us you so loved us before the foundation of the world that at that particular day and hour and moment and second you changed us you made a difference not only for time but for all eternity lord do it again change us make us what we need to be if we're saved, Lord, help us to walk closer with you. Give us that difference. Lord, if we're saved and we're out of the will of God, Lord, make that difference in our lives and bring us back where we're joyfully serving you and telling others about you. Whatever it is, have your sweet, sweet way. Lord, we'll be careful to praise you and exalt you, and magnify you, and extol you to the ends of the earth. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray.